The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday Waiver Wire Q&A. My name is Chris Crawford, and also welcome to everybody who is listening on our Circling the Bases podcast. I am joined today by Drew Silva. Drew, how's it going? Good, man. I just uh, thought I was going to be running late for this. I just dropped my wife and her friends off at the Cardinals-Yankees game and got stuck in some some crazy traffic on the way back. Uh, Last night was the biggest crowd they've had in, in Bush Stadium three's history surprisingly really? you know and they've had some world series games and an all-star yeah. game there. so it's Jeez, been a, is there like i was just gonna say is there like expanded seating or anything like that that makes that misleading or just a lot of people excited to see the yankees in town they might have opened up some extra standing room only but it's a lot of yankees fans honestly like interesting some of my favorite spots were packed with yankees fans this weekend um and yeah like I didn't necessarily have any conversations with them, but my little brother did. And they said like, you know, it's, they don't get to St. Louis very often. And it's kind of like a, a bucket list destination to go see a game there and, and like go see what that town's all about. And um, so, yeah, I and mean, it's just been a, a really, and both teams are obviously jockeying for playoff position. The Yankees kind of running away with the AL East, the Cardinals and the tie right now for the NL central. Um yeah, chance to see Albert Pools, you know. Sure. Yadier yeah, Molina. absolutely. Yeah, it's, absolutely. it's been, a, it's been a, a packed weekend there at Bush Stadium. So that game, by the way, Yankees are leading 4-1 to one in the top of the second. So, unfortunately, that's not off to the best start, but an awful lot of baseball left to be played. Uh, quickly, let's talk about the game that we just witnessed, or I witnessed, and you got to probably listen to on the radio or something I, like that. I was trying the, to track it. Sorry, Pete. Trying to tra- no, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Guardians win one to nothing. a superb pitching duel, uh, which we have not seen a lot on Sunday leadoff day. We have seen a lot of some really high scoring games, especially that one we had a few weeks ago between the uh, the Pirates and the uh, Cardinals that I believe was like 22 to one or something like that. Um, Tristan McKenzie was really good today. Mm-hmm. Eight innings, two hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, 66 of 91 pitches for strikes. Now he had kind of struggled over his last two starts, but in the month of July, even after ending it with a start where he gave up four runs over seven innings, he had an ERA of a 1.34 and a 33 to 9 
strikeout to walk ratio. I think one of the most underrated things about McKenzie is how deep he has been getting into games. I mean, this is a guy who has thrown six to seven innings. It's weird to say from a pitcher who's listed at 165 pounds. I take umbrage with that. I have some doubts about whether or not he's actually at that 165. But he gets deep into games, and he's been really effective as of late. Are you buying into Tristan McKenzie for the rest of the year? Totally, yeah. I mean, the con- the control has gotten so much better, which is what allows right. him to pitch deep into games. And the strikeouts mm-hmm. are are still, you know, good enough. He's yep. pitching probably more a little bit to contact than he had in the past. Sure. Um, and that's kind of like a maturation of a pitcher. And, yeah, he's been excellent. I, I heard when I finally got back that this was Houston's first one nothing loss of the season. Um, so, yeah, props to the Guardians for – you know, pitching well this afternoon, and and they also won on Saturday, right? So they wound up splitting the the four the series, game yep. series. Man, I I tweeted about it on like Thursday or Friday night. I I can't believe the Guardians didn't add offense at the trade <sighs> deadline or anything. Like the only thing they did, like people were laughing about the Rockies doing nothing but extending Daniel Bard, which is funny, but. Sure. I, the only move the Guardians made was trade, trading Sandy Leone to the Twins, right? I think that was yep. their only move. That like, was the only move acquiring Ian one, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I kind of like Ian Hamilton. Uh, that was sure. a fine trade, but yeah, like I don't, you have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, and yep. I can understand, okay, all right, we're going to lower the payroll and do kind of a rolling rebuild, but you're, the AL Central is right there for the taking, and you can't make a move to add some offense or some bullpen help. I know their bullpen has been pretty good. Like add sure. something. Um, yeah. I, I guess they're just the twins added exactly what they needed, but I think that yeah. twins roster still has a lot of holes on it. Sure. Um, and the white Sox just can't seem to get it together for some reason. So and did very little at the deadline yeah, as well. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I would be really frustrated if I was a Guardians fan. And, and I have a lot of Guardians fan friends. Sure. Um, I, I think they're just apathetic at this point, which is the worst thing that a fan base can be, honestly. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's because it, they're right there. The other thing is they're right there for the third wild card spot. And I've gone on a couple of tangents on this and I won't do it again, but I will say haha to everyone who thought that the third wild card spot all of a sudden meant that teams were going to really care about the playoffs because Chicago did nothing. The White Sox did or Chicago, Cleveland did nothing. Baltimore objectively tried to make their team worse rather than caring about the third wild card spot. So all of those people who said that this all of a sudden was made for competitive balance BS. It was made because it's going to make a teams a lot of money. Christian Javier was also really good today. Six innings, uh, one run, six hits, not a super dominant, but I, I think we know what he can do as a starting pitcher at this point. Um, the one run scored today came from Luke Mayo, which is pretty funny. Uh, hit a solo home run off Javier in the fifth inning. I want to ask you about Andre Jimenez, who quietly is having a really good season. Now, he only went one for four today, but he picked up his 12th stolen base, and he is now slashing 299. 364, 481. This guy was basically an afterthought because he was, for the most part, pretty poor in his first season in Cleveland. I think in the long term, Drew, this is a guy with a lot of fantasy upside. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And a lot of those stolen bases have come recently. I think he had three in a game. Was that on Monday night, maybe? Um, Something like that. He's got like four over the last week, so it's a bit deceptive. 
Um, but yeah, totally a guy that has always had the skill set to be double digit homers, double digit steals with a decent batting average. And that's what you're getting from him right now. And he's still really young. Is he 24 even yet? Like, Something uh, right around that anyway. Yeah, yeah I, I'm looking right now and he is. I think he's still um, 23 maybe. Yeah, he's 23 until September 4th. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a ton of tools there for as, as we re-examine this season and, and head into next year. He's a guy that I think he's going to finish strong this year and then be rising up the ranks um, at second base or, you know, if, if he's going to have, yeah, he'll have some shortstop eligibility too. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really valuable long-term piece in fantasy and, and for the guardians. I like the guardians. Like you can speak more to their farm system than me. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a team with a really bright future. If they would just inject some, some cash into it, Yeah. this would have been the deadline to get a little, un, not even uncomfortable, but again, to add some kind of bat yeah. that, that a that a rebuilding team wants to get rid of and then going into this offseason hopefully they're in the hunt to to spend some money they got jose ramirez to sign a very team-friendly contract extension they've been great at developing pitchers um so i I know bieber's going to get more expensive here soon but um and tristan mckenzie eventually will get a little arbitration bump as well but that's that's a team with a bright long-term future and i wish that ownership would just like care a little bit more it would be awfully nice because, yeah, you're right. Their, their system is good. They have as much infield depth as any team in baseball with guys like Gabriel Arias, uh, Tyler Freeman. Um, they've also got guys like George Valera, and they are as good as anybody at developing pitchers. So some guys that look like, you know, back-end starters are going to develop into mid-rotation or better guys because they just get the most out of those guys. There is a long-term uh there's evidence of this happening over and over again. So they're a team that is definitely on the rise, but come on, it's a little more money and and we could have something going here Uh, for everybody who's joining us live. Thank you very much. And please drop your questions. we got a good one here from Doug. That uh, is a good question. I don't know how else to say it. Doug Nelson, I have to cut to pick up a pitcher in a standard Roto 10 cat league, equal depth at all position cuts could be Voight, McCutcheon, Wong, Rosario, Correa, and Pena. Stolen bases are most contested category. Thanks. Luke Voigt is the name that stands out to me right there. Like uh, just the fact that he's going to be playing for a Washington club that just stinks on ice. And the fact that he is not going to help you in that stolen base category whatsoever. That would be the guy of those players that I'd be dropping. Drew, was, do you agree? Yeah. McCutcheon, I think you could make a case for too. I mean, he's not getting any younger, but yeah, Voight has nothing around him and he's, he's playing for himself right now. You know, he's playing for, to get out of Washington over yeah. the off season or something. That's a um, great point, but there's not enough around him to where you can like project much teammate dependent counting stats. And you're certainly not going to get any stolen bases. Colton Wong has, kind of tumbled off uh, especially defensively too i'd like to to dig in exactly what's going on with him maybe he's right. got some kind of nagging injury but he, you know he was one of the best second basemen of baseball for a long time and has not been that at all this year um like some glaring errors and then just like even the advanced metrics don't really like what he's he's been doing this season yeah i would i would say it's a toss-up between voight or mccutcheon and the other four there are going to give you at least a little something um, speed wise and, and power wise. Yeah. I will say this though. I am concerned about what I've seen from Jeremy Pena as of late, 
went 0 for 4 today, and that averages down to 248 with a 292 on base percentage. Jeez, I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize yeah, it had gotten it, that bad. I didn't realize it had gotten that bad until his last at bat when he finally made hard contact and it went right to Andre Jimenez. Um, but took a look at the stats in 248, 292, 427. Like he's rookies are going to have ups and downs. So if they're, if you feel real confident in the shortstop stat and you don't have um, a quarter infield guy, I think Jeremy Pena has reached the point where it's possible to drop him. I just think there might be some regret if you end up doing it. So I, the, the, the Voight move would be the one that I would make, but I think Jeremy Pena might be second on that list for me now, which is actually Colton Wong would probably be second on that list. Yeah, but Jeremy Pena, the fact the fact that we're discussing that he could be droppable with how good he was for the majority of the season, that's something. Yeah, 248, 292 is not what uh, I would expect him to have after having such a sensational that's, start. That's got a direct have a direct correlation to that wrist injury. Yeah. Um, we've seen wrist injuries in the past. Like it takes hitters a long time to, to get back into the groove. And I don't, I'm, I'm sure if you looked at the game log, that's you could, you could exactly look to that yeah. moment that he spent on the IL. That was a while ago, but it was, um, yeah, I don't know if, if we're going to blame something, maybe that just, you know, maybe a little rookie dog days of summer type slump. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, interesting that he's still hitting at the top of that lineup. I would guess that will not be the case fairly soon. I don't know, Dusty Baker. Like, yeah, he's he's a he stubborn guy. Kyle yeah. Tucker, like seventh, even though he was yeah. the best hitter on the team last year and the year before. Yes, uh, Steve, Brown, man. I mean, yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but he's no, he's, not at all. he's looked excellent in Houston so far. Absolutely. Um, I don't makes, think any it anyone makes me on, so happy too. Yeah, no one on Houston's offense really looked excellent this afternoon just reading through the box score, but no, um, I think that's been a great pickup for them. Yeah, McKenzie was really good. Also great today was Emmanuel Class A. Uh, only needed nine pitches, got two strikeouts. Where is he going to rank for you in closers next year, Drew? Sorry to put you on the spot. I know you I, did. I, I, love, you? I, love, I love to do put you on the spot. That's a lot Let's of fun. Let's see. I, I mean, Hader will probably be number one. Liam Hendricks sure. will drop off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, we could reassess the White Sox going into next year and talk ourselves into Hendricks being one, two. Yeah. Let's, I don't know. Class A is probably two or three. Yeah. Right. I would say for me, Edwin Diaz is going to always Ooh. have a special place, and he's been so good. Now, mm-hmm. I will say this. Edwin Diaz has had some Brett Saberhagen-esque seasons as a closer where he is very, very good one year and the next year and not so much. And that's what happens when you throw as hard as he does. And just the fact that relievers are super volatile, like there there are going to be what makes what Josh Hader has done so far, even though this is easily his worst season so far, what he's done so impressive is like there's it's it's extremely difficult to put up extremely low ERAs in back-to-back-to-back years. It's just a really difficult thing to do because it just takes that one blow-up and your ERA is redacted for the next month. You know what I mean? Yep, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. that's relievers, man. It, yeah, it's, it's really impressive when a reliever can go on, you know, a Mariana Rivera-type run of, of yes. several double-digit seasons where you're dominant. It's It's a rare thing. So Paxton plays asks a really good question here too. Do you like baseball? Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Usually this time of year, I feel a little burnout for what we do, but <laughs> oh my I, I gosh, mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's my favorite sport. It's just been a stressful 
season yeah. and the trade deadline was nuts. Like I, I know we've it already done a ton of shows wrapping up the trade deadline, but it, it was the busiest trade deadline. Uh, if you factor in what happened on Monday and even over the weekend, uh, right. it was the busiest trade deadline since 1997. Wow. So, so many moves. And yeah, what we do here yeah. at NBC sports edge slash Roto world is we write up every transaction and, and try to offer good analysis of it. And yeah, it was, it was a grind, but uh, usually like after the trade deadline is when I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And then there's yeah. like fun baseball to watch. Like there were some great marquee matchups all weekend with the Braves sure. and Mets uh, Cardinals, Yankees uh, Padres, Dodgers, obviously, and even guardians Astros. Like the, yeah. that's, that was a, that was a good series. So it this really is this, this is when like my love of baseball usually comes back once we get past the trade deadline and I'm not stressing out all the time. I'm trying to think of 1997 if the Cardinals did anything because I know the Mariners did some stuff. They traded uh, a Jose Cruz for Mike Timlin and Paul Spujarek, whoopsie daisy, and they traded Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe for Heathcliff Slocum, whoopsie daisy number two. Really. Two trades that set the franchise back quite a bit, but I can't. Re- uh, the, uh, trade deadlines are like one of my favorite things to think about. I can't remember if the Cardinals did anything at that time. I'm gonna look it up. I, re- I do remember a Darren Oliver Fernando Tatis Jr. trade to the Rangers, but that might have Fernando been- Tatis Senior. Senior, excuse me. Yeah, they did not <laughs> trade the. Uh, they did not trade the. I think specimen he, I don't think he was it. born. <laughs> no, he was certainly was not. I don't think. Anyway, I do remember that trade happening. While I was camping and my friend saying, do you want to come play basketball? And I said, no, I need to see what happened with it's Darren Oliver, Fernando Tatis. Uh, which just tells you that what a nerd. it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I got a body like this by choosing to do that instead of playing basketball. I don't know. I really don't know what could have happened, but let's talk about that deadline wall. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the crazy. Cardinals 97 yeah. roster. Hang on. That Please was, do. Well, yeah, they got Mark McGuire in 98. Um, okay. So. Yeah. I remember that as well. I, I was camping again um, and uh, was fascinated by that return. Uh, a trade that I do not think the St. Louis Cardinals regret very much, if I'm being completely honest. No, with you. it was, uh, they were, they finished 70, 73 and 89 fourth in the NL Central. So they probably didn't do much at all. Yeah. Over the yeah. Season. Okay. All right. 97 was a fun year, other than the fact that, uh, the Mariners gave away a bunch of stuff that that Mariners offense had every single player had an OPS above 800. I would kill to have a timeline like that again. Maybe I'll get to see this no, team wait. play in the playoffs. The 97, but, that is when they got McGuire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was a good deadline deal then. Good and he job. had a 1095 OPS over Goodness 30 or 51 Christ. games down the stretch, 24 home runs, 42 RBIs. Wow. That'll work. He Brian was, Jordan I mean, was on this team. Gary Gaetti, Ron Gant, Ray Lankford, yeah. the very underrated Ray Lankford. Um, yeah, Ray Lankford was a really good was player. Um, yeah, I really liked the Cardinals at that point because I had, for whatever reason, an extreme hatred of the Atlanta Braves. And I think it was jealousy more than anything, you know, having to, getting to watch him every single day on TBS. I was like, how's this fair? What, <laughs> what the heck, man? What? You guys get to be on TV every day when I had – like at that point, Mariner home games just weren't televised. So it was like, why do I get to watch every single one of these teams' games and not uh, the St. Louis Cardinals? They just weren't uh, televised? Talk- no. The, the, I mean, every once in a while they were, but for the most part, they didn't have in 1997 the deal like they had back then. They, they were just 
probably two out of five home games were at, played on home on television at that point. It, yeah. it stunk. It really, really hurt, but especially because the team was so good then. But uh, you talked about this deadline and you talked about the Guardians, how disappointing they were. There were a lot of teams that got way better. Drew, who is your favorite? We'll take the, the, the Padres out of it because I think that's fairly obvious. Who was your favorite team over the deadline in terms of improving their chances for making the postseason and maybe doing damage in it? Hmm. Yeah, my mind just goes to, to Padres. Yeah, um, of course. Man, I, I like what the Twins did. Like that's my Tyler Malley, Michael Fulmer, Corey Lopez. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly what they needed. They needed like a reliable three number three starter, which I think Tyler Malley can be away from Great American Ballpark. And they needed good setup and back-end bullpen options, and that's what they got in Fulmer and Lopez. Um, I would yeah. put them right up there. Um, I don't like what the Brewers did. I don't like really that. I don't like what eh, – I don't want to say that. I, the, <laughs> I, I think the Braves could have done more. I think the Mets could have done more. Mets uh, could have done a lot more. I was really surprised that the Mets and I can't help but wonder, sorry to cut you off, but how much this had to do with the fact that they, from everybody I talked to, it seemed like they were pretty sure that Wilson Contreras was going to be a New York Met. And when that didn't happen, I wonder if there were just like no other real backup plans. You know what I mean? And it kind of reminds me of when Jerry DePoto basically based an entire offseason and organizational plan on going to get Shohei Otani, like literally trading prospects, not elite prospects, but yeah, prospects to get bonus to go, pool money. Yeah. To get bonus pool money based on the fact that they thought they were going to go and get Shohei Otani. And that offseason was, I mean, it kind of it was right in the round of the rebuild time anyway, but it really changed what the organization did. But I really think the Mets thought they were going to get Wilson Contreras, and when they didn't, there was really no other backup plan. The Darren Ruff trade is one of the most interesting trades, I think, just because of they gave up three prospects and a guy who could be Darren Ruff in J.D. Yeah. Davis for to get a uh, – it kind of reminded me of the the mystery box family guy thing where a J.D. Davis could be a Darren Ruff type of th- situation. But I do think Darren Ruff makes them better. But I think the Twins had the best uh, – trade deadline by far for two reasons. (laughs) Non-Padres additions, because they they just don't count. I love what they did in terms of getting really good players and not giving up elite prospects whatsoever to get them. Like They didn't touch the top of their farm system. Spencer Steer is a good prospect, but I love Tyler Malley. I think he's going to be so much improved going just into a better pitching uh, park and also the fact that he's going for a team that is competitive, I think is going to be really big for him. I kind of thought that Malley might be, we talked about this a little bit as a guy, because they did not trade him at the highest point. If they would have traded him in the off season, I think they would have gotten considerably more. Yes. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of the Whit Merrifield trade, which, by the way, thank you, NBC Sports, for turning me into a mem for my reaction to him being traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Really appreciate that. Actually, I do. I really like attention. How did you put that? Mem? Mem? Mem. Mem. It, it doesn't matter. It's, 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 well, how should I be pronouncing it? Me? Okay. Okay. Cool. Drew Silva, smarter than everybody, telling me how to pronounce words. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> 
Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. I thought that Whit Merrifield trade, though, for Toronto was an excellent one because they gave up a couple of top 20 or so prospects and Whit Merrifield for the most part after a just horrific start has been really, really good. Uh, what do you think of Whit Merrifield rest of the season? Uh, it's nice that he finally got vaccinated. I, I wonder if he yes. was actually already vaccinated because that came together really fast. Um, it went real quick. And isn't there, isn't there some kind of like weak buffer period? I guess if you go with Johnson I and Johnson or so. something, there's not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I have no idea how that works. I just know that I'm glad he got vaccinated and also glad that he uh, – what a situation that would be if you're trading for a player that can't play your home games a la Kyrie Irving. Yeah. <laughs> they must have the had Toronto some kind movie. of heads up that oh, he, sure. he had already had it or that he was going to. I mean, yeah. it's obvious that the Royals traded Merrifield you know, two years too late. Yes. And I I think he's always been a bit of an overrated player. Like he's super interesting in fantasy because he plays every game and he can lead the league in steals and you know sometimes can hit for a high average. Right. Um, so, so, and like maybe pop double, you know maybe get like 10 12 home runs. That's kind of his profile which is really valuable in fantasy and you can yeah. play him at second base or in the outfield. I think we're probably we've seen the best that the very best of it. Yeah, yeah sure. But for a team like the Blue Jays that needs a, some versatility, uh, you know, a guy that can play infield and outfield, and you know that that gives you speed off the bench. Like even if he's just like a versatile super utility man, that's a really nice thing to have on a contending team in the playoffs. And he's a guy who has a lot of experience. Like he, you know, he's it's the veteran presence thing that, that helps a team like the blue Jays. I know it's not sure. a tangible thing, but um, to bring that kind of personality into the clubhouse is probably a good thing. And it, it came at a nice time for the blue Jays where they finally got going a bit. Um, and we're seeing better results from, from their young sluggers. Right. And, uh, and adding him to the mix really helps. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, I, is he going to play as much with the Royals as he did with Kansas city? That would be my concern in fantasy a little bit, but right. Yeah. You know, maybe he will. And and if he's hitting in a, in a good lineup spot, then yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's either a wash or a nice little boost for, for, for his fantasy stock. 
And worth pointing out that George Springer on the injured list right now. So going to be getting playing time for sure, I guess, over the next two weeks or so. But yeah, I think that's a great call. Yeah, Uh, starting center fielder, which is crazy. Yeah. Mike Mike asks, who could I grab for safe plus hold league? Do I drop Garrett or Springs? That's Braxton Garrett or Jeffrey Springs, I assume. Uh, One guy that I would be looking to add is, I know he didn't get the first save chance, but I think Ryan Tapera is going to get most of the save chances for the Angels. I know that's not a team that's going to get a lot of save chances down the stretch as well. Uh, But I think that would be a guy I'd be looking to add. And Felix Bautista, I think his stock went way up with the Jorge Lopez trade as well. Now, I will caution with uh, Bautista. It's going to be a situation I do think the Orioles are an extremely analytical club. And I do wonder if they value him more being that guy who comes in for high leverage situations in the seventh or eighth inning rather than saving him for the ninth inning. That is, I don't think it's necessarily going to be um, him just getting all of the save opportunities, but I still think he's somebody, especially in a holds league where you get credit for both that I would absolutely be looking to add Um, as for dropping. um, (sighs) Braxton Garrett has flashed some really nice stuff as of late, Um, but I, I have a little bit difficult time trusting him. What would you say on this one, Drew? I would say both of those guys are borderline, and I like Springs' situation a little bit more right now. Sure. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Hold, holds, guys. I was thinking Zach Jackson of the A's. Like, There's kind of a hmm. thought that Danny Jimenez is kind of come back and get that closer role, and we're talking about one of the worst teams in baseball. So Very how many save so. opportunities are they really going to have? But Jackson's like – I. He's top five in holds right now, and he has been getting save chances here or there since since Jimenez went on the IL, and, and then they traded Lou Trevino. Um, so that's really open up for him to have a pretty prominent role if the A's can carry a lead late into the game. Jason sure. Adams been getting a lot of save chances for the Rays. Nice. Um, I could. He's having a really good season. There's that's every year like some random Tampa Bay reliever becomes, you know, the second coming of like prime Craig Kimbrell. And uh, Jason Adams seems to be doing that this year. Those those are a couple of guys that I think are, are interesting if you're in a, a saves plus holds format right now. So Brian brings up the point. He's disappointed with the Guardians' approach to the trade in light. Their management wasted time evaluating Rays, Clement, Bobby Bradley. Glad, Brian. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry about the trade deadline for the team that you like. But Framel Reyes, designated for assignment, probably going to hit free agency. Is he someone, if he lands in the right spot, or even if he lands in a spot that doesn't seem particularly fantasy-friendly, someone that you'd be looking to add? I don't know. If he goes to Colorado or something, I could see like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I, I, I don't know. His You look at his baseball savant page, it's like – It's ugly. It's just weird, man. It's, yeah. I, it's, a, it's an interesting profile. We know that he has – nearly 40 homer power in him like he's shown that in the past but right i think the the book is probably out on how you pitch to fran mil reyes i, I think we've Correct. we've seen that this year he's been dreadful and like when he doesn't get pitches that he can put hard contact on yeah um, it's disastrous he hit 30 home runs a year ago though so he did if he if he lands in like a, a really favorable spot for offense or you know if he's like a part-time dh in a contenders lineup, something like that, then and you're like in a daily kind of fantasy league. Um, I, I would be interested in him. The fact that he's almost reached 40 home runs before and that he's not like an, an old guy. Right. He's he's built like a middle linebacker. 
Um, yeah, I'm always going to be a little bit intrigued, but I'm also skeptical. If if the Guardians who need offense are, are cutting you loose, yes, can you can you really help another team? I mean, how hard is it to have a hard hit percentage in the 88th percentile and ex- expected batting average in the second percentile? The second that just tells percentile. you, yeah, that that just tells you because he's he's in the very bottom of the league in strikeouts and whiff percentage, and he has an atrocious approach at the plate. He's also slow and not getting any faster because of like, he's a middle linebacker. Now he might have to play defensive tackle pretty soon and just be like a first and second down player. Cause he can't run guard. Faster yeah. With him. yeah. Because he's really slowing down sprint speed in the 16th percentile. I mean, he's, he's somebody is going to say I can fix him. He's probably a hitter and that just doesn't work out super well. You have to hit awfully, awfully well to be a platoon designated hitter. Yeah, I'm trying um, to think of what contenders could use, you know, a, a DH type, a, a right-handed hitting DH. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, Seattle could use someone like that, but they have a bunch of them already on their roster. Although I think Carlos Santana might be saying goodbye pretty soon. He's you know, on, I was reading, uh, yeah, I was reading, Dan Zimborski's column on, on Fangraphs after the trade deadline. And he had the, the Mariners at number three teams that improved according to Zips after the deadline, which I don't like. I guess it was all Luis Castillo, right? Who else? Yeah, did they I get? mean, Luis, Luis Castillo. They also got uh, Matthew Boyd. Kirk, they got Matthew Boyd. They got Kirk Casale, who is a very good defender and has shown some offensive potential at times. Um, definitely an improvement over Luis Torrens, who hit his first home run of the season last night, Drew, after hitting 15 the year before. Uh, one of the worst at barreling the baseball. Um, and they also got uh, Jake Lamb, who is a you know a DFA candidate in a couple of weeks, to be yeah. completely honest with you, as some of these guys get healthy. Yeah, uh, Brian, I wish we could talk about the Guardians management as well, but we'd probably get fired if we did, to be completely honest. They're 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 a laughing stock of baseball, to be honest with you. Now, it's not Terry Francona, and it's not the people above Terry Francona. It's their ownership. It is yes. among the worst ownership groups in baseball. It's an embarrassing thing, and um, as a no, person yeah. who is rooted for a team that has embarrassing ownership and has embarrassing top of the stuff, I, I totally relate. But yeah, it's just... Not a good situation in Cleveland, and um, it's too bad because I really think that they could be a playoff team and maybe even a contender to do some damage in the playoffs if they would have made uh, a few additions. And speaking of playoffs, Drew, we are very deep into the fantasy season, and we need two-start options. So I'm going to ask you, Drew Versilva, to give me some two-start options. Yeah, it's it's actually the times I've done this before, there are like usually a ton of great two start options, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, this is a really light week in that regard. Mm-hmm. You've got Zach Wheeler, Marlins, Mets, that's I mean, Shane Bieber, Tigers, Blue Jays, these are all oh. obvious ones. Chris Bassett, Reds, Phillies, Blake Snell, Giants at Nationals, man, anyone against the Nationals. Ooh, um, yeah. And then Zach Gallen, Pirates, Rockies, Lance Lynn at Royals, and then Tigers. Man, if, if Lynn can get on a roll for the White Sox, that'd be huge, and this would be the week to do it. Martin Perez, who is surprisingly still on the Rangers, um, he gets at the Astros and then the Mariners. That's iffy. And then, man, it really falls off from there. Like, yeah, Miles Michaelis at Coors Field and then the Brewers. He's had a really good year, but that's 
you're probably risky. you're probably gonna throw him in there, but I, I you won't feel good about it. Um, right. Alex Wood at the Padres and then the Pirates, Jameson Tyone uh, at Mariners at Red Sox, Braxton Garrett, who we just talked about at Philly, and then the Braves. Like these are it, it drops off real fast. Brady Singer at White Sox at Dodgers. You say Kikuchi has good matchups, Orioles, Guardians, but I, I just do not trust that man. Graham Ashcraft, he's actually going today for the Reds, so that one changed. James Capriellian, Angels, Astros, and honestly, they're like the rest of them are like a void. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a great Kyle Bradish uh, is, is interesting, but he's got Blue Jays, Rays, two division rivals. I think I would leave that one alone. Chad Cool has Cardinals, Diamondbacks. Why is he still on the Rockies? By the way, that's a really good question. It, oh, he's got to be up there of my most biggest surprises of not being moved. To be completely honest, they're going to sign him to some three-year extension. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's too young. He's too young to sign an extension with the Colorado Rockies. Tommy uh, Henry's interesting. Do, do you know a lot of? I know he was not like a top one hundred prospect, but no, uh, but he's for the, for the Diamondbacks, Pirates, and then at Coors Field. So I don't know, but. Yeah, Tommy Henry's interesting. He is a guy who is not a top 100 prospect, but just pulling up my notes here, uh, a guy who has an above-average fastball and slider, a really good changeup, and he throws everything for strikes. Now, he has thrown everything for strikes in the past. The command has kind of gone backwards a little bit this year, uh, walked 44 guys in 108 innings. That's not abhorrent by any means, but this was a guy who was known for when he was drafted as being a command-over-control type of guy. It's really going to be matchup dependent with him. I would not be trusting him up against the the better lineups. Um, and speaking of prospects, I just wanted to talk to everybody about the situation that's going on with a lot of these guys. I think people really need to keep in mind the rookie of the year rules. And I talked about this during our deadline with deadline chat with Ryan and Colin, which, by the way, go check that out. We, we, re, we live reacted to a bunch of trades. We have a bunch of really good analysis there. It was a lot of fun. But one of the things you have to keep in mind with prospects right now is there is that rule next year. It's existed this year as well. There, you can get extra compensation for winning rookie of the year. If you call up a player right now, Drew, what are they not going to have next year? Rookie of the year eligibility. <laughs> Rookie of the year eligibility. God, so I didn't think about that. that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really big thing. I have to pre- give credit to Shelly for bringing this up to me, that that this is something she talked to, and I talked to a few scouts about it, and they and talked to some front office members about it. They said, yes, that is something that people are going to have to be cognizant of. So when you have somebody like, for instance, Francisco Alvarez is going to be my top prospect for the remainder of the year, in part because Wilson Contreras was not dealt to the New York Mets. There is now a chance for him to make that impact. But if you're the New York Mets, don't you want that guy to have rookie of the year eligibility next year if he's going to be a full-time player? Because he will be an overwhelming favorite to win rookie of the year in 2023. And you can get a first-round pick for him winning it. It's something you have to be cognizant of. Francisco Alvarez, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, these yeah. guys. Dude, I, got, I, I got, don't think you're yeah. going to get him called up. I got duped by that fake Orioles account that said that the Orioles were calling up Gunnar Henderson. And <laughs> oh, I really no. pride myself on not getting duped by you fake tweets. But, well, uh, Rock Kabatka, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but um, yes. he, he retweeted it, and he's a very good, thorough beat writer. And yeah. so I, I just – I didn't even question it. Yeah, <laughs> if you're getting if you're getting retweets from people like that, it, yeah. I totally understand. If if but man, check that blue. 
every MLB beat writer should be required to have the blue check mark because it is such an important thing for our job. There are so many people who think that's funny to retweet some sort of fake call up and trade thing. It I is funny, it, but you know what? <laughs> it, it, it is funny. All right. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, sometimes I think we could be best friends and sometimes I guess we just have differences. Of, do we, do we see Gunnar Henderson though? I mean, it's, it's a hard I, question to, uh, I, I would don't say, think so. I don't think so either. I, okay. I don't think so either. I will say this. If, if it's September 1st and the Orioles are like a game back or something like that, maybe, but we yeah. saw the same situation with the Mariners where they had Julio Rodriguez as a chance to come and play in those final few games. And they decided not to, I would imagine that at this point, you're not seeing Gunnar Henderson until next year. Grayson Rodriguez is coming back from his injury and they've talked about him getting on the mound. I think that'll be something more along the lines of pitching in triple a before yeah. the end of the season. I do think we might see DL Hall, and I think DL Hall is a really interesting arm going forward. Now, he has had some real ups yeah. and downs, but the ups are up. Like his swing and miss stuff competes with any starting pitching prospect in baseball right now. He has a chance to be really successful. He's also had, like, the last thing I just wrote about him was that he gave up six runs in two thirds of an inning. So there are hard moments where things just are not quite, there's a lot of volatility in that profile, but you could take some better with the bitter. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. This was a lot of fun and it was a, a lot quicker than last time in part because Drew didn't go to a Pine Grove concert last time. This yeah, time. man. <laughs> so Oof. we had a little less, a uh, little less feeling better today. Yeah. I, I had a better sober today. Saturday. Yeah, um, sober so Saturday. I'm a hundred percent. Yeah. That was a, that was like one of the worst hangovers I've had in a long time. It was a wake Did up it, call. Like, yeah, Drew, you're 35 now. You cannot. Do <laughs> Did it last? So it lasted well past the show is what you're telling us. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I crawled yeah. Well, I crawled into bed and then like did a little bit of work. We both have to do like video work on Mondays. Oh, so yeah, I tried right. to do a little bit of that, but I, I was just pounding water and liquid IVs and I didn't really feel normal until Tuesday night ish, which was not good with the trade deadline, but I learned a lesson. You live and you learn kids. Don't be like Drew. Be like well, Drew. I, yeah. But sometimes don't be like Drew. The problem is like, I'm going to do it again. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, going to, of course I'm going to drink Red Bull vodkas and shots and stay up until three in the morning. I'm just oh. going to do it. I know. Congratulations it. on having friends to do that stuff with. Uh, that's going to do it for us. It's overrated. Thank you everybody. <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, Wednesday, Colin and I will be playing another name game, giving you some options for these final couple of months of the fantasy season. If you like what you're hearing, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Drew at Drew Silve. Why he didn't. Have we ever talked about why there's no way? I've talked about it with a lot of people. I assume we've had that conversation. It's it's a weird story. Okay, um, we'll save it for we can save it for next time. I mean, if there's nothing nefarious in it. It's just so I I don't know if it was available, but like by the time I I looked to change it, so I got on Twitter February 2008. I was in college, and some people would call me like Silva Silv, like oh, in okay. high school and in college, because like Flavor Flavor Flav had a show at the time that was popular, like Flavor of Love, where he would it was like a bachelor, but he was the bachelor. Very strange nice. show. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so that turned into people calling me Silva Silv. Silva Silv. Okay. And so when I. Did you wear a clock? Did you wear, did uh, you wear a uh, chain clock? Not regularly, but I think, you know, a time or two. 
Um, and so, yeah, when I was setting up a Twitter account before I knew that I would be like, I have to spend my entire work day on there. It, th- like Twitter was just nothing back in 2008. It was just like fun. Um, and then, and so I was just like, yeah, Drew Silve, like it, it kind of just, it's, it's all one. I don't know, man. Can you end the show? <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.